So you're still on the road, day two guy. Where did you start? Where did you finish? What did you do today? And before any of that, the first question that I always like to start with, how are you right now? This will probably be the first time I ever answer that question with this word, but I'm just enchanted right now. How about you, Matt? You're enchanted because you're still in New Mexico. That's a terrible pun, guy. Well, I had been thinking of how I was going to start this conversation for the last hour and a half, and you may think it's terrible, but I'm sticking with it. I feel enchanted. I would say you need new writers for your material, but you are a writer. Clearly, you're not a comedy writer. No. <laughs> no. Sometimes we just write creatively, especially for a uh, industry publication. We probably push the creative boundaries. But no, I don't plan on going into comedy. <laughs> so you're gonna wind up this although day. Although the world can probably use a heck of a lot of comedy right now, from what I'm told. Well. I know you're not paying attention to the news, and I'm trying to turn off Twitter at night, so uh, purposeful detachment at this moment in time. Nothing good can happen after midnight, and there's nothing good on Twitter after 9 o'clock. So. Uh, you are still in New Mexico. You're almost at Texas. You're finishing the day in Amarillo, which is one of the few minor league baseball cities that I haven't been to they moved there uh after i went to a bunch of teams back in 2012 you started the day where uh you were still where you you were still in arizona at the start of the day right yep i was in one of the great adventure towns flagstaff arizona and from flagstaff all the way you're following 40 right now right i-40 yep i haven't left it since picking it up in barstow california yesterday and I think, isn't it, is it still 75 miles per hour going through New Mexico on I-40? Yep, except the winds are probably over uh, 25 miles an hour. I think it's going 75 might not be the best idea for those type of winds. You're saying like a headwind, 25 miles an hour? It's like a crosswind. Oh, right now. okay. Well, take your time, be safe. What was on the the list of events for today you go into every day fairly wide open i know you played golf because i was following your twitter but i only saw a few photos looked like a fun course uh where did you wind up today yes i woke up in flagstaff and i got there when it was dark last night Looked out the hotel room and had an unbelievable view of humphrey peak which is the highest point in arizona so that was a great way to start the day and Del Taco and Sizzler in the foreground, and then the highest point in Arizona, which was snow-covered in the background. And there was a university, which is a growing school, and Grand Canyon wasn't that far away. And, of course, the Grand Canyon is closed right now, as are a lot of the prominent national parks in the United States. I found that out today. All the national park sites in Arizona were actually uh, closed. So I started Flagstaff, uh, had a hotel breakfast that was quite different, didn't have your normal uh, Hampton Inn spread. They basically just had uh, grab and go things like prepackaged blueberry muffins and coffee cakes and yogurt and orange juice and that type of stuff. So that that's when it, it, it kind of hit me. Okay, things are a bit different. This isn't a normal night in a hotel. And I guess maybe it hit me last night when I go to check in at the lobby. They had tables in front of the lobby, so you couldn't get close to the receptionist. 
I passed a sign that said Meteor Crater National Monument. Looks like it was about seven miles off of Interstate 40, so I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. So uh, pull over, you know, drive seven miles off of Interstate 40, and of course it closed. So had to drive the seven miles back. It was about 15 minutes out of my day. But then uh, my plan was to stop and play golf, and I stopped exactly where I wanted to. This course does not have a, a website. It's basically the only course off of Interstate 40 between uh, Flagstaff and the New Mexico border, and all the golf courses are close to New Mexico. So my only golf, golf option for t- today really was hitting Cove Golf Course, a municipal golf course in Holbrook, Arizona. And Matt, let me tell you, what a treat it was to play this nine-hole golf course. I probably pulled into the parking lot around 9.30 a.m., and I was the uh, only golfer there. There were three people working maintenance on the course, two people mowing, and someone actually chopping a tree down with an axe. And uh, I walked into the clubhouse. There was nobody there. Well, the, the entire golf course operates on the municipal system. I guess if you're a member, which the dues are very, very low, you just go get out of your car and play. If you're a, a, a person driving through or not from Holbrook that wants to play, you put 10 bucks in an envelope, drop it in a box, it's in the clubhouse. I mean, if the clubhouse is unlocked, uh, they had some carts out in front of it. It looked like it was, you could grab a cart and go whenever you wanted. Uh, you, you put your money in the box, they had a restroom in there, uh, had all the rules on the board, uh, had some local tips on the board. And I know when I sent a text from there, you really like the one where the gopher snakes, gopher snakes. I didn't see any gopher snakes. Uh, all I saw were some birds out there that were just, uh, the noises they make, were making were unbelievably soothing. I haven't put it on my naturals yet, so I don't know what type of birds they were, but I walked around the clubhouse to get an upstairs area, just an awesome guest grill. And it looks like if you play there, I mean, anyone could bring steaks and fire up the grill and you can have a cookout before or after they play. Uh, so I got to the first tee and then some other people pull up and how cool was this? It was a truck with a trailer on it. And it was uh, three guys, two older gentlemen, and maybe somebody that looked like uh, there had been a grandson of one of them. They pulled up with a trailer. Their own cart was on the back of the trailer. They rolled to the first tee. And, uh, yeah, so I guess bring your own cart if you have one, too. And I've, I've never seen anyone pull up to a golf course in a trailer and roll their cart down from that trailer. So that was pretty cool. But played nine holes there. Weather was great. High 50s, low 60s. Uh, very windy, though. Like I said, 25 to 35 miles per winds. Uh, the turf was really firm. It was awesome. Uh, it wasn't a you know, 100% turf cover. I mean, it was only a three-person through. And it, I, I'm not even sure these were full-time people. You're not going to have perfection. But it was, uh, it was perfect to be Matt. Uh, the ball was bouncy. Uh, there were great flesh. There were, there were two green sites, in particular, the sixth and the eighth hole that sat. You know, desolate these red cliffs. There were no traditional sand bunkers on the course, but there were these fabulous grass bunkers. And I wish there was somebody there that wasn't riding a mower or a superintendent or someone. Maybe I'll, I, I tried to do an internet search to see who the superintendent was and wasn't really coming up with anything. So they looked like they used to be sand bunkers or they could have been sand bunkers at one time. I did find out from one of the people operating a mower 
I did stop him to thank him for how great the course was to play. Uh, I didn't really want to distract him from his job, but I did ask him when the golf course opened, and he said it was in 1974. So who knows, maybe at some point they had sand bunkers. So they, they converted them to these awesome grass bunkers. They weren't just green grass bunkers. They were kind of matted down. There was some green grass, some brown grass, uh, really nice color definition, and they were fun to play out of kind of still play some bump shots into the greens. Uh, gave the course some color contrast with the, the greens of the fairways. And this could be a model for people that want to do some bunker reductions. I put some pictures on Twitter. Didn't really get much traction. But maybe I'll look into this more when I get back to, to Northeast Ohio and try to track somebody down that knows a lot about the golf course. But it, it, was, it was just a fabulous course, man. Uh, one of the most enjoyable nine-hole rounds I've ever had, uh, despite the heavy winds. Uh, the heavy winds were adding some challenges to it. I think at one point I hit a 330-yard uh, drive. And of course, I was downplayed. It was a 350-yard hole, and I only had 20 yards left. <laughs> and then into the wind, I think one part point I hit only maybe a 175-yard drive. So it was, it was that type of wind. Uh, there was some water on the course because they definitely use replay water. There were signs. Uh, just really, really cool. It ended with a, uh, a par five that, that played around some cliffs that, that really had some strategy involved and, and shot shaping. And just just a wonderful place. Uh, I was debating whether I wanted to play nine more, but I had to get going. Uh, like I said, there were three other people out there. Uh, the, the parking lot was gravel. There was a cattle guard going into the, into the parking lot because along some of the holes, uh, you know, along the, I think it was the fifth and sixth holes, there was something like a cattle range or something. So really cool ambiance. I would have loved to have just, I'd love to go back. Who knows, I'll probably never get back to Holbrook, Arizona ever again. But I'd love to just spend the entire day there, play golf, maybe grill some steaks up there, meet some of the locals have a few drinks with them. I'd really like to see it when they have uh, maybe an event there. It, it sort of reminded me of a Northeast Arizona arid mountainous version of Sweet's Cove. The, uh, the course outside Chattanooga, Tennessee that pretty much everybody's heard of. It's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of buzz. It sort of had that vibe to me. Except Sweet's Cove doesn't have an honors box. and I'm not sure a course raider or anyone that ranks golf courses ever been to Hidden Cove Golf Course, but it was de- it's definitely a top high list of, uh, like I said, most enjoyable rounds I've ever played, and uh, uh, one of those places where it was just really, really special, and just such a great golf course. I mean, it wasn't 100% turf color, it wasn't green wall-to-wall, but like I said, the, there weren't sand bunkers, but to me, everything about it was ideal. So comparing it to Sweetens Cove, high praise, especially for a course that if if folks can wind up getting on there uh, at some point this summer, uh, is limiting its weekend availability to just all-day passes, a place so popular that you have to schedule out as far in advance as, as is physically possible. And here's this course that you just stumbled across in eastern Arizona, Ten dollars. I think the monthly dues were thirty dollars. You could play pay them at uh, City Hall, the whiteboard that you sent me, and that's that's some high praise. 
uh, coming from someone who's been to as many courses as you have, I think. Yeah, and I've been blessed. You know, we talked about it when we recapped day one. I got to play Rustin Canyon. Uh, of course, it kind of has a, a sweet East Coast-like buzz, but on the, on the West Coast, I got to play Charter Golf Course, uh, another course where it's just an honor box, and then played uh, the fabulous uh, uh, Super Cliffs in Kingman, Arizona. So I've played four, four really awesome places that have had great vibes. And, you know, we don't, at Golf Course Industry, rank golf courses or rate them. That's not our thing. We'll let other people do that. And I couldn't even imagine doing that. It's like I couldn't even imagine being a food critic, too, because I almost like all food. And it's like golf, I like all golf. But this was an extra special uh, morning for me, that. So you head out having played nine holes, having hit into the wind and with the wind, having unfortunately not seen any gopher snakes, which I feel like Carl Spackler could have used at least one of those instead of turning to various explosives 40 years ago. Yeah. What was... not venomous, though. So it wouldn't have been a big deal had I crossed Well, but they, they take care of the gophers. <laughs> what else was on your your plate... Uh, where did you drive through? What did you see? Did you stop anywhere else along the way? I know this is sort of a meandering drive west to east back. Yeah, so I really got off my plan today, man. I have filmed the whole trip to be like that. So my plan was to play the nine, nine holes at Hitting Cove and then do some hiking and studying at Petroglyph National Monument in Albuquerque. Well, the drive from Holbrook, Arizona, to Albuquerque, you passed a lot of Indian sites, a lot of Indian stores, so I stopped at a few of those. Unfortunately, a lot, a lot of them were closed because I want some Navajo fry bread. And here's a side story. Mother's a nurse, and she did uh, some graduate work at University of Utah, and around the time she was doing that, this was 40-plus years ago, she actually worked the Navajo Nation in the forest part of New Mexico, where New Mexico, Utah, Nevada, Colorado, I believe, me. So she used to tell me stories about Mexico as a child, and she would sometimes make her a version of Navajo fry bread. But I, I, I looked for some, and I, I couldn't quite find it. So I, I, I got the bird, and I kept on checking out these places. I wanted to take some pictures. And then I, I think it get to have a look for me later than expected, not that much later. And he had a great uh, run around the Petroglyph National Monument, studying some of the, uh, the, the old artwork that I think it was back thousands of years. Uh, I'll have to read up more on it. And then, as I was leaving Albuquerque, I saw a sign for Old Town Albuquerque. I'm like, hey, that, that sounds cool. Why don't I go walk around there? I parked. I mean, there was really nobody around. I saw a half dozen people in my 20, the 25-minute walk around there. Had a really cool vibe. Of course, nothing was open. Kind of reminded me of a uh, Western version of like Old Town Savannah or Old Town Charleston or something like that. Matt, I'm not sure if you got have you been to either of those places. I've been to both. Yeah, so kind of reminded me of like a uh, Western type place like that. I'm sure it's really trendy and when things are normal, the restaurants and the shops there are popping. But it was like I said, pretty much. Not a lot of movement, not, not many people around. And from there, it hit my head. Uh, last July, we ran a story that you wrote, one of your first stories in golf course industry about Texas Rangers Golf Club. All right. And for that 
Clint Bellow, like, yeah. Yeah, well, hit me when I was, when I was walking around Old Town. I'm like, okay, I want to go see the ballpark. Obviously, I couldn't get in. And I put that into my uh, phone, just kind of assuming that the ballpark was in downtown Albuquerque. It wasn't. It was uh, outside town on the University of New Mexico campus. And then I, I saw the pit, which is where the University of New Mexico Lobos basketball team plays, which is one of the... Uh, what I think is one of the great home court advantages in college basketball. At least it was when I watched a lot of college basketball. So I walked around the pit, and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. I never thought I would see the pit. And then saw the football stadium, and they had some uh, banners outside the stadium of some of the greats that are played there. And Matt, you're a trivia buff. What, uh, I believe he's an NFL Hall of Famer, a pro football Hall of Fame linebacker with the University of New Mexico. Oh. I'm not so great at uh, saying and figuring out where college offense or uh, linemen played their their college days. I I'm sure I'll know exactly who it is, but I can't think offhand who it is. But you used to live you spent some time in Chicago, right? When I was little. Okay, well, you played for the Bears, and now every time you drive through Chicago, you see them on billboards for air respiration. Oh, Erlocker, duh, of course. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I, I should have gotten on. Brian Erlocker played for the University of New Mexico. That's so right. Saw, That's right. You know, his, uh, his uh, banner hanging from the uh, football stadium. So I, I, I did it out. Uh, I walked through the uh, outside of the football stadium and then walked around the minor league baseball park. And I think that's when it really hit me what's going on in the world. Like we talked about after we recorded day one, I'm trying not to listen to any COVID. 19 uh, radio work. I don't watch TV besides live sports. I'm really only going on to social media right now to uh, check our golf course industry accounts and to post pictures from this trip and maybe see what a few friends are doing. And it really hit me walking around the campus, what, today's April 2nd, right? That uh, they would have been in, in the spring session. It's a beautiful day out. You probably would have had hundreds, if not thousands, of students walking around uh, the minor league baseball team would have been playing. I'm not sure if they were scheduled to play a home game tonight or not, but that's when it really hit me that this is different times and most people are out there at home and the spring semester at this college campus will, will not resume. It's, they're not coming back for at least a semester. So that was the point where it really hit me and it was kind of random just because I remember when I was walking around old, old town Albuquerque that you put the story last summer reached out to yeah, and uh, just for reference, I don't believe the Isotopes would have been home tonight. I don't think they would have. They did not have a home game scheduled until April 14th, so there would have been a little less going on in Albuquerque, at least. Yeah, cool city. I mean, you could tell that you know, it was my type of place. Uh, driving through New Mexico was awesome. I wish I had more time. I'm probably going to say that throughout this trip. <laughs> uh, I'm a real outdoorsy, adventurous person, and I really wish the golf courses were open in New Mexico, too, because I would have loved to see one or two of them for the first time. And the drive from Flagstaff to Albuquerque, Matt, was just incredible. I mean, you passed the, uh, the Painted Desert, I believe, of Arizona, yep. a petrified forest national park, which was unfortunately closed. And then you get that... Mexico, and it's just on the sides of the road, there are these, these stunning cliffs, and they're, they're, they're red, and they have some green trees on them, and they have some orange and some brown, 
monument and a real Conduct Canyon, there was some lava rock there. And just Mexico just seemed, uh, excuse my language, I guess it's a drug podcast. We can, we can do whatever we want on it. Uh, New Mexico just seemed cool as shit. And I hope to get back there one day. It is, as you said, a very enchanting place. It's an incredible, incredible state. It's gorgeous. I loved going through every time. You know, just from my experiences driving 300 plus miles on it across uh, Interstate 40, it almost felt like the the West Virginia of the West in some ways. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Except Albuquerque is a heck of a lot bigger than uh, West Virginia's biggest city, Charleston. Well, there are more people, that's for sure. I don't know what the West sure Virginia to New Mexico population comparison is, but I know there's I'm more in New I'm Mexico. Sure some, and I'm sure some of the Gulf, especially in the mountains of New Mexico, are the ones that really incorporate the cliffs and some of the other rock formations. Because the two that currently uh, has that western or that mountainous feel of uh, West Virginia mountain Gulf. Yeah. Well, whenever you can travel again, uh, widely and easily, I see a trip to New Mexico at some point in your future. Yeah, I, I kind of hinted at it in a text to my girlfriend this afternoon. So you are how far now from Texas? It's a good question. I haven't seen a welcome to Texas sign. It's dark out. Maybe I just missed it. Uh, I, I believe I'm less than 100 miles from my ending destination for tonight, Amarillo. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, really dark out here, as you can imagine. And tomorrow is Amarillo to where? How far do you want to get on day three? So I'm going to get up, fire, fire up the computer. I have a vague idea what I want to do. It looks like I'm going to be going through Oklahoma. Okay. It's another state I've never been to. So, man, I'm not sure if you remember this. I remember it clearly when you had your job interview with us. 13 months ago, and I would say it was more of a discussion. We just kind of came into my office and we chat, chatted, and we really hit, hit it off. We talked about a particular book that I was reading at the time. Do you remember that book? Yeah, it was Sam Anderson's Boomtown. Yep, so the route tomorrow, we'll be going through Oklahoma City, and I'm definitely going to pull off and go to downtown Oklahoma City and check out uh, some of the sites that were in that book. I want to see Bricktown, I want to see Chesapeake Arena, I believe is the name for the Oklahoma City underplay. I want to see the, the site of the bombing. And I also want to play some golf in Oklahoma. I don't know where yet. I want to pick some places off the uh, interstate or very close to the interstate where I can walk nine holes like I've been doing throughout this trip. But really, it's open-ended. I'm going to wake up, fire up the computer, uh, see see what I'm going to be going through. I know, I know I'm going to be going through Oklahoma City and Tulsa and really make some decisions when I wake up tomorrow morning. And I have a feeling I'll end up probably in the Ozarks by, by the night time and spend some time getting Saturday in that part of Missouri. I definitely want to see some things there. But uh, like I, I, I said when we recorded after day one, that there's a lot of freestyling and a lot of things that may happen on, on a whim, especially on the back end of this trip. And it, it will depend on golf availability. I believe Oklahoma, there's still some golf going on, and hopefully I can find some places. I just checked the G... Just check the GCSAA 50 States website, and as of 5 o'clock today, you could still golf in the state of Oklahoma. Yep, that's what I thought. That was the last I heard when I looked this morning. And I'm looking forward to hopefully playing some uh, courses that maybe few have ever heard of besides 
websites, the people that play them, and the, the, the loyal customer base. And that's been one of the great things. Besides Rustic Canyon, uh, the places I've played are places that uh, most of our readers had never heard of. So it's kind of cool in a small way to bring attention to some of these great small-town golf courses in various states now. And look forward to hearing about what you found in Oklahoma on uh, day three. Anything else from the road and from the Pathfinder that you want to pass along on the, this installment of the podcast? Yeah, so there's all this no-touch golf going on. And day one at Server Cliffs, uh, there, there was pink foam in the uh, cups. And today at Hidden Cove, there was green foam. So... I'm going to do a, uh, a self-contest and predict that I will come across blue foam tomorrow. <laughs> I don't remember offhand. Eh, I don't know. If you're in Oklahoma, I feel like it would be orange or some shade of red crimson. Oh, so I believe Norman's not that far off of Interstate 40, Matt. I know that I did read a story that the golf courses in Norman are closed. Okay. Uh, that's, a lo- that's a local decision, but I may, if, if time permits, and Norman's not that far off the route, stop and see Memorial Stadium where mm. one of the great college football programs plays. Boomer Sooner. Yep. Uh, that's one place that in my college football writing days I, I never had a chance to, to cover a game. So we'll see what tomorrow brings. Like I said, tomorrow is still TPD uh, on a lot of levels. Oh, and one other thing, Matt, thanks to the people that are reaching out and calling me, I'm not sure, I mean, you, I mean, this is great to be able to chat with you every night like this on a podcast format. One of our co-workers, Andrew Hurricane Hatfield, gave me a call today as I was sitting in Flagstaff. We talked for about 35 to 40 minutes. It was great to hear his voice. And he actually uh, received his first set of golf clubs today. Uh, Andrew Hurricane Hatfield is one of our Job representatives at Golf Course Industry. She's doing a fabulous job of reaching out to clients and trying to help them tell their story during this time and even before this uncertain time and, and help them uh, share their message with the industry on various different platforms. And so our national sales manager, Russ Warner, who has been with the magazine longer than anyone. You talk about somebody that's seen a lot of crazy highs and lows in the, in the golf business. Russ is certainly... Sure. But you got these golf clubs in some tough times, and 
that for him to hit the driving range. And, you know, we got to get him and you and I and Russ out on a, a golf course together at some point in Northeast Ohio because golf is still going back home. And, for the moment at least, still going in Oklahoma. Hope you find a good course tomorrow and look forward to catching up with uh, day three. Thanks, Matt. And we will find a good course because you want to know why? Why? There's no such thing as a bad golf course. That's true. Drive safely, have fun in Texas, and I will talk with you from Oklahoma. Boomer sooner. <laughs> Boomer sooner. <laughs> And pistols up. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to, when I wake up, go to my laptop.